Welcome to episode 69 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Ruth. She used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Ruth, for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Do you like some meetings better than others? Do you wish all your meetings would do things the same way? Do you feel that you should be able to do whatever you want, regardless of others? Well, stick around, because today (laughs) we're going to talk about Tradition 4, which says each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting another group or Al-Anon or AA as a whole. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of Tradition 4. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Rachel. How are you today, Rachel? I'm good, Spence. Thanks. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, Tradition 4. Following a break, we'll talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your email and voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. And I have a reading. This is from our daily reader, Courage to Change. (laughs) And this is from April 21st. Something I've come to appreciate in Al-Anon is our unity and diversity. Tradition 4 says that each group is autonomous, free to conduct meetings in a way that suits its members, as long as it abides by the traditions and doesn't harm the overall unity of Al-Anon. Some groups stick to the suggested meeting format, others use a slightly different structure. Why should I get my nose bent out of shape because another Al-Anon group chooses to follow a meeting format different from the one familiar to me? Why should I assume that my way is the right way? When I remember to keep an open mind, I find that the principles of the Al-Anon program remain exactly the same no matter which group or which city I visit. Each of us plays an essential part in this remarkable fellowship, supporting one another as we recover from the effects of alcoholism. With this solid foundation of love and support, our individual differences can only make us richer as a whole. And uh, as I said, my name is Spencer, and I'm here with Rachel. And, um, you know, this... uh, this reading, I think, really captures um, pretty well uh, a, a lot of what uh, Tradition 4 is about, which is, um, you know, that that uh, we have a certain unity in Al-Anon. We have a certain, you know, if I walk into an Al-Anon meeting, all of the Al-Anon meetings that I've gone to in different parts of, of the country, you know, it's sort of immediately recognizable as Al-Anon. But at the same time, they're also very different. You know, some of them are, are tiny, um, and they might open with, you know, announcements, uh, maybe a little bit of uh, a reading or something. Uh, others uh, have a speaker opening the meeting or maybe a speaker for the whole meeting. Um, I've been to some that are big and, and you know, sort of one big group. I've been to meetings that have several smaller groups within um, a larger room. And uh, they're all, but they're all Al-Anon and they all provide recovery. And, of course, I, I find that I like some meetings better than others, that they work better for me than others. And I've had this experience where a friend would say, oh, this meeting that I go to is great. You should really try it out. And I went to the meeting, and it didn't, you know, I didn't find it to be great. And right. obviously my friend does. And and that's that's a beauty. Um, what's, what's your experience been, Rachel? 
Um, well, I'm interested in what you said. I have only been to ones in Michigan. Um, I went down south this past summer, and we went to. I'm also in AA as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we went to some AA meetings, and it was it was really a great experience. I loved it. I love meeting new people. I love the whole thing, and it is a, it is a really it's it's a comfortable vibe to it. It's a supportive. Um, I, and I want to try some more meetings, Al-Anon meetings uh, around here. There's two that I go to that I like, uh, and especially a lot. Um, a third that I go to as well. But to jump around is wonderful. But it's as you said, whether it's a, a speaker at one or separate different tables, I mean, separate tables with different thoughts. Um, it's just supportive. It's, it's so huge. It just screams of it. And I, and I love it. And I know that you know, if I if I really want to focus on steps, uh, there's a couple meetings that I go to that focus on the steps. Uh, you know, every every week is a different step. Um, there's one meeting that that I have gone to a lot that that kind of changes it up. You know, they they do uh, first first Friday of the month they talk about the step, and third Friday of the month they talk about the tradition of the month, and the other two uh, they I think they open with a reading from one of the daily readers, and then. That would be the topic for the evening, you know. Some meetings have a topic, some meetings don't have a topic. I tend to like the meetings that have a topic because um, it helps me to sort of focus on recovery when there's a specific topic and maybe there's something that's happening in my life and if I can figure out how to relate what's happening in my life to that topic, um, it really it helps me to come into the solution from the problem, um, so I I like that that there's variety. If I I feel like if if they were all the same, I'd get, I'd get bored. Absolutely, um, yeah. But you know, we also um, each meeting does have, according to this tradition, does have the power to, uh, you know, decide how they're going to do their meeting. And um, I know some of the meetings that I go to have a regular group conscience, and and in that group conscience meeting, we talk about um, how how the meeting's doing and whether we want to change things or not. Um, and maybe you've had some of that experience either in Al-Anon or in AA with, uh, um, you know, going to a group conscience and somebody says, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'd like to try something different. Have you had well, that Well, you are, you are talking about two ends of the spectrum, uh, Spencer, when you, when you do AA and Al-Anon. I've never been because, to an AA. Well, let uh, me tell you, uh, it, it can get ugly fast. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, everybody wants to, it's like, tell me what to do, but don't tell me what to do. Uh -huh, so yeah. you're working with that. And, um, and somehow, you know, knock wood, it does happen and it comes to full circle and is great. But, uh, other times, you know, it's, it's a clam bake. You're just all, it, it could be crazy. <laughs> Um, but absolutely, to clear any kind of um, thought, be it negative or positive, get it out on the table, those are great. I've only actually been to like two group conscience meetings, mm -hmm. and one of them was by mistake. I came into the <laughs> wrong room and thought, oh, all right, and, um, you know, voiced the opinion, and it went over like a lead balloon, but I was still able to voice it. Right. Um, that was at an Al-Anon meeting. Um, I probably would have been staked at my AA, but, oh. you know, who knows? <laughs> who knows what could happen? Um it, you know, it, it's just good to have an opening to share whatever thoughts you have. And again, it's we're not judging you. We're just saying this is what this is my thoughts. These mm -hmm. are my thoughts. What what can we do? Mm -hmm. So they're great. And I, one of one of my Al-Anon meetings, um, some years back, the the group conscience decided that in in that meeting we would permit the use of the AA Big Book as a source. Um, which I think strictly, um, you know, there may be an issue there with one of the other traditions. I forget the, uh, or maybe maybe this one. I mean, are we harming Al-Anon as a whole by 
by using the big book. You know, I've listened to talks by people who were sort of there at the beginning of Al-Anon, and they said, that's what we used at the beginning. We used the, the AA big book as, as our literature because we didn't have literature. Right. Uh, and to me, that kind of says, um, you know, this may not have the, the Al-Anon conference approved stamp on it, but, you know, it really is an important part of, of our program. And, and so I guess, you know, my feeling is that the use, not as a primary text, but the, you know, being able to read from it, being able to, to say, there is wisdom here. Um, uh, you know, I think it, it strengthens that particular meaning and I don't feel like it harms a, a, a Al-Anon as a whole. Um, and, uh, and I guess, you know, that sort of brings up the question, I mean, how might the actions of a particular group affect Al-Anon or AA as a whole? I mean, um, did you have, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh? Well, as you can well imagine, Spencer, I have several. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think it's, um, you know, to use it as a reference point, it's huge because who are we talking about? You know, you want to get inside the brain of an alcoholic to figure out how how they tick and and why what is happening. So, absolutely, on that respect, I think it's it's totally appropriate. Um, it's a muddy water, though. It's you, I think you can take from AA without taking from it. I think you can. It just adds right. another insight, uh, and and I think it's really good. Uh, there was one meeting, and actually, it was one I think we go to together and woman had uh, one woman who's in Al-Anon had said that her sponsor because she just couldn't get a grasp on what was going on and she was trying and, and just couldn't seem to you know feel it and her sponsor told her to go to an AA meeting you know an open talk rather right. which right. which is totally you know you can yes. you can do that yeah. and and she did it and she got a whole different thought process on it so I think as much as you can share as and it's delve into it as you can to your comfort zone mm-hmm. and then like they always say, take from it what you can and tell somebody else. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess one of the things that I think about where, um, you know, sort of straying from the traditions could could do harm to Al-Anon as a whole if a particular meeting um, does that is when you get a newcomer, you get somebody who has not been in the program and they come into that meeting and they find, um, maybe they find people talking about their sobriety and, uh, you know, and not, and not focusing on, you know, the Al-Anon aspect, the Al-Anon issues. And, and they're like, well, this isn't what I'm here for. This is, you know, this Al-Anon thing obviously is a crock. Um, and, and that's, but, you know, uh, or I suppose if a group, uh, like, um, sort of went public and, and started saying, Hey, we're Al-Anon, you know, this is what we do. And they started, you know, I don't know, advertising on TV or something like that. And, and, uh, you know, that could bring, um, really, uh, unwelcome attention and, and particularly, um, uh, you know, could, could hurt, could hurt the program by, by damaging public perception, at least. Um, I think also, you know, you bring up a huge point, which is, when you have a newcomer in either group, especially Al-Anon, they're coming in for help. They don't necessarily want to hear how long sober you have if you are, you know, in both programs. Yeah. They don't care. They're coming here. At least I was. You know, some of it's anger. Some of it is frustration. I really, I'm here for me right now. I don't want to hear how long you've been sober. I'm, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Glad to hear it, but I don't want it. Yeah. And I think about some things that, that have happened in, in the meetings I've been to over the years. And, you know, these are healthy meetings and and, you know, it was an individual doing something, not the meeting, but, you know, people talking about, um, 
other uh, recovery uh, mechanisms, talking about, you know, drug treatment, talking about, um, you know, psychiatry, bringing in uh, books from outside the program. Um, it, it, and it dilutes the message and, and, and somebody new or somebody who's, who's, you know, been there for a while could just say, oh, you know, this is not, this is not what I want to hear. This is not what I'm here for. And, um, and, and, it, and sometimes they're very well-meaning, you know, people who do that, they come in, they talk about, you know, codependent, no more the book, um, you know, because, Hey, codependency is an issue for us Alanons, right? Uh, but it's not Alanon literature and it has a different message and it has a different, um, and it's not that it's a bad book. It's just not, it doesn't belong in that meeting. Um, I, I think that's, that's really true because it can get convoluted very quickly. You have to have somebody at the tables who, who is going to stick with it, you know, be it a topic or not, but keep everybody honed in. Rain them in if you have to. Mm-hmm. This is an emotional, volatile thing and we just have to, you know, stay the course. Yeah. And, and, and when I was, you know, when something like that happens in a meeting, then I'm always like, Okay, so this is not following the tradition. Is is somebody going to say something? Uh, should I say something? What's what's going on here? Um, and and I have, you know, I guess sometimes now I am the guy who's been around for a long time. But back in the back in the day, I would I would always defer to one of the longtime members to to you know hopefully, or I would go to to one of the longtime members and say you know. Um, this what this person did really made me uncomfortable. Um, should we do something about this? Uh, and and sometimes the answer is uh, talk to that person after the meeting uh, because they probably don't know that what they're doing is not in line with the traditions. That that what they're doing is is taking us off message. Uh, sometimes we have you know it comes up in a group conscience i mean maybe somebody's not willing somebody's offended but they're not willing to say something about it directly at the time so they come to the next group conscience meeting and say you know it really bugs me when people blah 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 or i don't think this is appropriate and then the group conscience can talk about it maybe add something to the opening about right. you know particular behaviors uh, maybe do it temporarily um, and, and I think one of the things that, that, that often happens in, in the meetings that I go to, and I don't know if it's the Ann Arbor community or exactly what, but a lot of the al meetings I go to have people in them who are, uh, as we say, double winners, <laughs> like you. <laughs> yes, hello. Uh, and, and they're welcome. Uh, but we do ask that people talk about their al issues and not about their AA or, or NA issues. And and sometimes, um, I remember one time. This was a, this was a meeting that that opens with uh, somebody giving a, a ten minute lead, and the guy who was chosen to do the lead, I think, spent about half the time talking about getting sober. And I was like, this is not, you know, <laughs> this is not uh, Al-Anon. This is not an Al-Anon lead here. Right. And I think I think somebody did uh, speak to him afterwards, but a bunch of us were were very uncomfortable at that particular lead. I think it's an obligation to keep it, you know, as it as it should be, because people don't know. If if you don't fix it, people are not going to know what it should be. And uh, I, I know I count on that to people it, to reel me in or or keep me back. Or and also it's as you said too. Yes, we can go to the person. Thank you. We can go to them after the meeting. But to me, these meetings are so important, and that's yeah. my hour. Yeah. You know, and when I have somebody going on about it, yeah, I can talk to them, and I will after the meeting saying, you know, you got to keep it on topic and that's not appropriate. But 
I think it's appropriate for somebody during the meeting to say, we can talk about that later, but right now let's hone it back in. Yeah. yeah. And people and are afraid to do that, but I always appreciate it when it's done. I have done that a couple of times. And that's, um, you know, because, hello, I'm a codependent and I don't want to offend people. Uh, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. That's that's who I am, and whether those are character defects or assets, I think at any particular time you can argue. Well, one I way see or the your other, character but. defect, and I raise you because I would be the one that would say, "Hey, come on, let's you know keep it on track." And done kindly with a pure heart, yeah. I think it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have the same. You know, we have the same issue in most of our meetings with uh, you know people who who just kind of ramble. We call it hostage taking. Yeah. In the yeah. in the meeting. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I was having a conversation earlier this week with a, an LNM member who lives in San Francisco, uh, who said that all of the meetings that they go to there have timers. Great idea. You know, I love and, it. And you get your three minute timer or whatever it is, and and said that uh, they said that they felt that it helped focus people's shares. That their their shares had a beginning, a middle, and an end when they knew they were had a time limit. And I thought. I thought that's that's really interesting that that in fact um, this person, which this is their experience, this is where they you know were going to meetings, uh, f- actually found the timer to be a helpful thing for them and sort of a friendly thing. Whereas we tried a timer in one of my meetings, and nobody really felt comfortable with it. Uh, and I think you know that's one of those local tradition things, right? Do you have a timer? Do you not have a timer? Um, I went to a meeting out in in Santa Cruz, which is just south of San Francisco, mm-hmm. a little bit, and it was it was structured differently. Um, it was than the meetings that I'm used to in Michigan. Uh, you know, there was one big circle, um, and it was a literature study meeting. So they started out by well, they started out you know reading introductory material. They had sort of slogans and, and things, little pamphlets on, on the tables. And if you were sitting at the table, then when it came time for that one, you were supposed to pick it up and read it. And I figured that out sort of yeah. because, <laughs> like, I got know, it. oh, I'm supposed to read this thing. Okay, I'll read this thing. Um, and uh, and then they took the book and they passed the book around and everybody read, uh, I think, a paragraph or two for a certain amount of time. You know, So they had a timer. And I don't know, maybe it was 20 minutes or something like that. And then... They started sharing from the last person who was reading and continued around the table and they had a timer. Um, and I was like, wow, this is really different. But it was still Elanon. It was still Elanon. It still gave me right. what I needed to hear that day. But again, it was regulated. And I think I know I do better with that kind of format. And before you go on to another topic, this just comes in my head. As I mentioned, I went to uh, a couple meetings down south. Mm-hmm. And in one of them, because you get, you know, you get NA, you get Narcotics Anonymous, you get AA, you get dual diagnosis. I mean, yeah, it's a yeah. it's a crapshoot. It can uh-huh. be, a, you know, a soup sandwich when you walk into some of these. <laughs> so for this one meeting, uh, the the bloke, the, the the man who was leading it said, because someone had said, I, I'm, I'm so-and-so and I'm, uh, I abuse drugs or whatever. And, he, and the man didn't even miss a beat. He just said, well, for this hour, you're an alcoholic. Because that was also one ah, of his problems. Yeah. But it put everything in context. It's saying, yes, we hear what you're saying, but right now we're going to do... And it wasn't... He didn't bring the other thing into an issue with any... And it worked out brilliantly. Very straightforward. It, but it was so subtle, and it's, it was just perfect. And it, I, if we can incorporate something... Because, you know, we don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. But by the same token, this is what we're concentrating on right now. 
and it worked really well. Yeah, that's that's a good that's oh, a good great. way to put it. I thought that, that that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that that um, this person I was talking to mentioned that most of the meetings out there, at least the meetings they go to, are open. Uh, they're not closed meetings, uh, so you can attend if you're an Al-Anon. I think as an open meeting, maybe you don't participate if you don't identify as an Al-Anon. I don't know exactly how that works. Al-Anon or AA? Um, this was an Al-Anon oh, person. Okay. All right. Uh, but they also go to open AA meetings mm-hmm. and, in fact, said they were getting more out of the AA meeting they attend than, than they were getting out of their Al-Anon meeting right then, just whatever issues mm-hmm. was going on in their life. Um, but um, they also said that their sponsor came from the Texas tradition, which, okay, I don't know because <laughs> I've never been to a meeting in Texas, but uh, said that, that in at least in Northern California, in the San Francisco area, that the meetings are focused more on fellowship that sort of the not the, the not the focus, but that that they're about fellowship. They're about bringing people in and and being together and 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 sort of doing recovery in in the fellowship. Whereas uh, apparently the Texas tradition uh, is much more sponsorship based. That you do your primary working on your issues with your sponsor rather than in meetings. Apparently, you know, and I feel like in Michigan, at least again, the meetings that I go to here. Um, a lot of people are in the fellowship, but maybe they don't have a sponsor. A lot of, a lot of Al-Anons here don't have a sponsor. And so, you know, they work on their issues in the meeting or in fellowship with other members, maybe coffee after the meeting or, mm-hmm. or phone call or something. Um, and I thought, well, that was, that was sort of an interesting contrast. I don't, and, and I've heard, I've, I've listened to a bunch of speaker tapes of people from Texas and, and they always are really focused on their sponsor, how, how their sponsor really helped really? them with this and that. And I'm like, that's, you know, that is different, but it's still on. Sure. You know, I can listen to that speaker tape and I can hear just as much recovery from that person as I would hear from somebody from California. Um, and apparently like San Francisco is different from LA. I don't know. Never been, you know, to meeting in either of them. Haven't haven't worked the program there, but uh, you know, it's still Al-Anon. and and I think tradition four really is about that. That you know, so that Northern California, everybody's kind of laid back and chill, and and so they they have a particular focus, and and you know, Texas is a little different, and and they have a different focus of how they do the program, but it's still the program. And uh, I don't, you have thoughts there. Yeah, I, I think it would be great. When, when I was at the meetings down south, my my big dream, and I don't know how this would ever, you know, come to fruition, would be to to take a summer and go to as many states as I can and hit as many different meetings because it's mm-hmm. as you say, they're all different. Mm-hmm. But put, you know, with with their practices put in the proper place, it's all good. It's all attainable. It's comforting, and it's a new insight. So I think it's wonderful. Yeah, um, we had an email from uh, Suzanne who. Uh, had some thoughts about Tradition 4. Uh, I think I'll read it now. She says, Hi, I'm Suzanne and a grateful member of Al-Anon. I haven't been in the program for very long, one year and 11 months. I've been wanting to write in for a while. I finally found the courage today. I really like the article on Tradition 4 from the forum this month, and uh, I'm going to break my, my own voice in here for a moment. Uh, I wish I had a copy of the forum here at home so I could actually read that article. I got this, I, I saw the email this morning. So I, great, Spencer. Yeah. Now I'm totally out of the loop. <laughs> so I have, I don't know what the article actually says. Um, I'm going to have to go, you know, pick up a copy of the forum in, in the meeting I'm going to tonight and, and then I can read it. I would just like to uh, say I probably agree with Suzanne. <laughs> She's, so back to Suzanne's note. She says, it's found on page 30. 
It discusses personal autonomy. The member's story sounds so much like mine. If you had told me I had to get a sponsor right away, I probably would not have come back. Before program, I didn't really know who I was or what I liked. In recovery, I feel I still need to learn so much. Even today, for example, I find myself not really stating where I'd like to go out to eat when going to a restaurant. I'll go along with whatever someone else suggests. This is not who I want to be, but I just remember that I've been this way a long time, and I'm trying to change one day at a time. When I went to my first meeting, I didn't know what to expect, and I was really scared. There was a greeter at this meeting, which was great. I'm glad each Al-Anon group is autonomous because I chose to attend meetings where I feel comfortable and at home. There would be times I would put myself in situations out of my comfort zone just so I could grow. When I share in large groups, this is very uncomfortable to me, but I still try to share from the heart. Take what you like and leave the rest. Thank you for doing the podcast. I look forward to each new episode. Suzanne from Edmonton, Alberta. Saying that what she said there about, about sharing in large groups, you know, one of the meetings that I go to regularly is a large group. It's, it's usually at least 60 people. It's been as many as a hundred and it's, it meets in one big group in a circle. And well, if there's a hundred people, it's sort of two circles because one inside the other because the room's not that big, but it doesn't bother me. Um, I, I used to be a college professor and I can stand up in front of a room full of people and talk about whatever. Um, but I've had friends say, I'm really intimidated in that meeting. I don't feel like I can, I can say anything because there's so many people. Um, and I've had other people say, I really like that meeting because it's so big. I don't have to talk. I, you know, because if you get 60 people in a room and you've got, you know, 40 minutes after the opening and the lead, uh, you know, you're going to get maybe 10, maybe a few more people actually being able to share. And so if you're feeling like, a little intimidated or you're feeling like you're not ready to share, you're feeling like I don't have anything to say this week, or you're feeling like I'm too scared to say anything because I've only been in Al-Anon for a couple of weeks. You don't have to because you know somebody else is going to fill up the time. Right. Uh, and, and, and then, um, and then you can go to a smaller meeting where it's much less intimidating and maybe you, you can get a chance to, to talk there. Um, and uh, and and really, you know, talk about what's on your mind. The meetings that you go to, they they have different flavors, different. Uh... They do. Um, first, I would like to retract my statement, Suzanne. I, I I am not that person. I'm afraid I'm, you know, would probably be out there. Um, <laughs> but something that I'm looking at your reading now, and um, it's funny because the same example was given in a meeting uh, that I was in this morning for Al-Anon, and it's you know, where would you like to go out to eat? And the person said, oh, God, you know, I just want to make everybody happy and go along. I don't even know what I want to eat. And the pressure was too much. And she felt like throwing up. She didn't even want to go to eat. And I thought, oh, my God, really? I picked Thai. You know, that's my thought in my head. <laughs> right. But um, there was a lady at, at my table, and she had a stuffed bear, and it said happy birthday on it. And I'm thinking, I go, oh, you don't really think anybody's going to take you serious today with that. You know, you look like a you know a deranged toddler. And I, you know, I'm keeping this to myself. And when she said, and this is a woman I've known for years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, mm -hmm. and when she did talk, the meaning behind the bear was that for the longest time, she didn't feel worthy of a birthday. So she never really, you know, anticipated it or enjoyed it or anything like that. But, you know, through the Al-Anon meetings and coming to, you know, feel her own self-worth and being able to engage in all different types of, you know, the meetings, as you say, be it large or small, you know, now she's celebrating her birthday. And this was a huge, and I thought, I go, you've just typified everything mm -hmm. Al-Anon stands for, giving, you know, your own self-worth, not only enjoying your birthday, but bringing it to a table and letting us know it's your birthday. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. this particular meeting did that for her. And, and, you know, large groups, 
quite frankly, you could take it either way. You could say, oh, there's too many people I can't talk or, oh, I feel comfortable now. I can talk because other people are going to, you know, hear and, and enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, again, variety. You, you can't go wrong with it. And Al-Anon is just a forgiving, kind, supportive program. And that's what I get from it. Mm-hmm. So the other thing I like to do with it, with the tradition is to think about how I can use this tradition in in my life and particularly in my interactions with other people. Um, you know, I I think I said this last week, but it's I've I've heard it said that the uh, the steps keep me from suicide and the traditions keep me from murder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've never uh, heard that. Yeah, or the the steps. Uh, the steps let me learn to live with myself, and the traditions let me learn to live with other people. Um, either way you want to put it. Uh, and uh, and so one of the things that I see in this tradition that speaks to me is sort of a two-sided coin about personal responsibility, that that I need to be responsible for my own choices and actions, and I also need to you know, I need to take charge of my own choices and actions because the tradition says, you know, I'm autonomous. Um, but that I also need to um, take responsibility for the results of those. And I need to, and the third thing it says is I need to consider the impact of what I do on, on other people that are in whatever group I'm in, whether it's a family group or a work group or a meeting or, uh, or some other, uh, some other group. Um, and, I, I was uh, in an online forum and I, I asked this question and and one person one person responded. <laughs> You'd think you know online you should get more, but whatever. <laughs> uh, this person says, just as I am autonomous and responsible for my choices, so is the spouse and the kids and the neighbors. So it's pretty useless for me to come at them all anointed with wisdom and all and expect them to be grateful. Better I approach with questions and seek compromise. Got to watch expectations too. Oh, and that old codependency. If I do this for them, they'll be grateful. Um, and uh, and so I hadn't really thought about that aspect of it, of the the aspect of um, where my my codependency uh, or my desire to control, which I guess is maybe part of codependency, uh, leads me to uh, do things for other people that that they haven't asked me to do. Um, so uh, I'd like to ask you to reflect on uh, you know. Maybe how, how you take responsibility for your own actions or how you let others in your life take responsibility for their own actions. You got any thoughts there, Rachel? Spencer, I always have a thought. They're not always good. But um, <laughs> with, with this one, as far as autonomy, I'm, what Al-Anon has showed me is don't give the advice. Allow these people the opportunity to say what they're feeling without telling them why they should feel a different way or berate them or not even berate, just have an opinion. It's cathartic for them just to state how they're feeling. I don't have to jump in and solve it. It should be a relief for me, but it, it usually isn't. It's But they've taught me to bite my tongue. Mm-hmm. And it served me well because I don't, you know, that that's an issue I have. Um, just to allow other people to say what they have to say, take it in, see what it does, how I can relate to it, and and fix it for myself. I don't have to give you what I think you should do, because as I said before, I'll tell you how to fix your problem before you ever knew you had one. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's snap like that. And through the kindness, and I just can't stress this enough, the kindness that I get through this program um, and supportive is wonderful. It's just wonderful. So that's what I try to do, just to, you know, 
let it be and, and take what it, what I can from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was thinking about, I mean, the most obvious group that, that, that I'm a part of is my family group. Um, and you know, there are very clearly some actions that, that affect the group as a whole. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> you know, if, I, if, I, if if I choose, as I did last night, to to go out and listen to a band, um, that doesn't really affect the family significantly. Um, you know, I mean, maybe my wife would prefer I would be home and company. Uh, I don't think she got home till maybe ten o'clock last night because because it's tax season and she's working working late. So, you know, it didn't have too much of an impact there. Um, but if I was to do that every night, or if I was to go to, um, you know, go to concerts at at uh, you know with like top top flight bands that are maybe costing a hundred, two hundred dollars a seat. Well, um, you'd be divorced. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I would be having a, a significant negative impact on our family finances, and and at that point, my autonomy sort of stops because um, you know if I choose to to spend, you know, a few bucks going to a club and watching a band, okay, you know, I, maybe I'm not spending those bucks on coffee at Starbucks or something. Uh, as long as I stay inside sort of a budget, it's it, there's no effect there on the family as a whole. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there are obviously there are other things. When, when we need to get a, a new car, which happens very rarely because... <laughs> you know, new cars are expensive and we drive them till they fall apart. Basically. Uh, I'm not going to go out and say, Oh, I like this car. I'm going to buy it right now because I'm not the only person who needs to use that car. Uh, and, and, and I need to at least allow the other people in the family who are, who are involved to express an opinion. Uh, ask, I should say, ask, not right. allow. <laughs> I don't know. Um, have you, uh, how does this work for you and your family? Is there a... Oh, you've just opened such a floodgate. I feel <laughs> nauseous. Um, I think, you know, you can get away with a murder in your family if you are respecting and caring of your partner. I mean, the, we can get away with far more and push the limits if we have to, not even in a negative or mean basis. But when things are going smoothly, that little tick doesn't really matter. It's like, okay, you know, so you snore. I'm not going to smother you in your sleep, you know. But when you're in a bad mood and foul and derogatory, the smallest thing can just get huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so just having basic respect and regard is is huge, and the first person I'll do it to is my mate or my family. It's like you know, you yeah. treat someone better on the street than you do. Someone could bump me with a cup of tea, and I'd say, "Oh, that's all right. If my family does it, I will take your head off." You don't. You <laughs> might never, you know, eat raw, straight food again. But it, it's just amazing to me. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's a sticky wicket. The kinder you are, the more you get back. But it's 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 hard to do. But again, with just respect and consideration. And, and being in the loop, like what you said, you, you have, a, you know, something you like to do, go listen to music. If she can't make it then or doesn't choose to, it doesn't mean you can't do it, but let somebody, know. it's not even like a permission thing, but just, hey, what do you think if I, is mm-hmm. it okay? You know, and it's just to be included. I think as people, we just want to be included and thought of. And I know I do. Um, and I try to do that, but it, it doesn't always go well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll take our break here. I uh, want to, uh, Close with the uh, reminder from the reading I opened with. It says, In the perfect order of my higher powers world, all things are beautiful. 
I will pray to let go of my own rigidity that I might see the beauty of unity and diversity. And it comes back around to this idea that, that there are, there are ways that we're together and there are ways that we are our own people. And that's true whether it's an LNI group or a family or a workplace. Um, you know, that each of those has, has things that they need to be unified on and things where it doesn't matter. So, uh, first piece of music here, uh, is, uh, Mika. The song is called Blame It on the Girls. And uh, I picked this one because this is a, a person who's who's not taking personal responsibility. This is sort of the, the opposite side of, of the coin. You know, that whatever is happening to this person is not his fault. It's it's always somebody else's fault. And a little bit of the uh, a little bit of the chorus here says, uh, blame it on the girls who know what to do, blame it on the boys who keep hitting on you. Blame it on your mother for the things she said. Blame it on your father, but you know he's dead. <laughs> so I was sitting there in the bar, and this guy came up to me, and he said, my life stinks. And I saw his gold credit card, and I saw the way that he was looking at people across the room, and I looked at his face, and, you know, quite a good-looking face. And I just said, dude, your perspective on life sucks. Gotta look, stop books, take pages to tell. He's got a face to make you fall on your knees. He's got money in the bank to think, and I guess you could think he's living at ease. Like the others on the open shore. What's the matter when you're sitting there with so much more? What's the matter while you're watching what the hell to be? Are you wishing you were ugly like me? Blame it on the girls who know what to do. Blame it on the boys who keep hitting on you Blame it on your mother for the things she said Blame it on your father but you know he's dead Blame it on the girls Blame it on the boys Blame it on the girls Blame it on the boys And life could be simple but you never fail To complicate it every single time section of the podcast, uh, we talk about what's going on in our lives and in our meetings this week. Um, I did make it to three meetings this week. I have been missing my, my Wednesday meeting because of work obligations, and so it was really good to be able to get there. My Wednesday night meeting, it was the second Wednesday of the month, and uh, the person giving the lead talked about the fourth step. Uh, and in particular, um, read, I think it was from uh, How Al-Anon Works, which... Um, I could no, I don't have that book in the room here, so I won't won't try to find it. Uh, about how when we're taking our inventory, 
um, we can use judgment to determine what to include in the inventory. And, um, and so the person giving the lead talked about judgment and talked about how uh, that can be both taken sort of as a positive uh, attribute in, in, you know, in the course of sort of using good judgment, using judgment to determine whether something's important or not. But it also has been in many of our lives a, a really negative thing where whether we feel we're being judged by other people or judging ourselves. And there was a lot of good sharing on, on that, as you might imagine. Uh, in particular, I think uh, several people uh, shared on the uh, the way in which they judge themselves and the way in which the, the program and, and also, and to some extent having done an inventory has really helped reduce that self judgment, that self negative talk. Uh, and, uh, and, and the way we do that in inventory in Al-Anon, that includes looking at positive traits as well as shortcomings, uh, uh, really can help those of us who have been, uh, carrying that, that stigma of we're not worthy. We're not any good, uh, for too long. Uh, so it was a good meeting. Um, Saturday morning meeting was uh, step five. Um, and, uh, you know, I reflected a little bit on how uh, the, the phrase in the reading, we're only as sick as our secrets, and and how I've had this experience over the last couple of years several times of uh, admitting a particular fault to God, myself, and another human being. And to me, that other human being part of it is really, really important. And how that has freed me from in one case, something that that I kept coming back to that happened 35 years ago, and every time I came back to it, I could feel the shame of the moment just almost as strongly as, as when I was there. And after, um, you know, really bringing it out uh, and really, you know, doing a thorough step five uh, of, of admitting it to, to another person as well as myself and to God, that it, it lost its power over me. And, and of course, there are people there who are like, you know, I'm nowhere near that. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, part of carrying the message for me is um, I, the, the only message I can carry is my own experience, but I can carry it from, from sort of two perspectives. One is um, how, in, in particular, about these, these steps that were scary for me, like step four, step five, step nine. Uh, you know, the ones that involve like actually looking at myself and, and, and admitting faults and making amends, those were really scary to me at the beginning. And, and so if somebody else has those fears and can identify with where I was, if I can say also, um, yeah, it was kind of scary going in, but it turned out to be a really good thing for me. Uh, and this is why. Maybe I can help make that a little bit less scary for somebody else. Also, as I said, I had a, a, a really uh, interesting conversation with a uh, uh, LNI member who lives in California, and uh, we talked about a lot of different things, and, and this person may be um, contributing to the, to the show later, uh, you know, in another episode or so. Uh, but one of the things that, that came up during our conversation was some things that they didn't feel that they were able to share in the meetings they went to um, for whatever reason. And, and that to me suggested, well, that would be an interesting thing to talk about. Like when have there been things that, that I, or, you know, you, uh, or you as a listener, uh, when have there been things that, that I couldn't talk about in a meeting for, you know, I was ashamed or um, 
maybe I thought it was inappropriate, even though it was really related to my recovery and, and, uh, you know, and, and what did I do? And, you know, so, so why, why wasn't I willing to talk about it in a meeting and, and what did I do about it? Uh, if anything, uh, or is it still there? Is still there not being talked about? Is it still that elephant? Uh, and I thought that could be a really interesting discussion. So, uh, I'll be thinking about that a little more and, uh, I think we'll uh, we'll do a show about that sometime in the not too distant future. So, um, if you've had that experience, hey, call us, uh, email us, whatever, and uh, we'll give you the details for that in a little bit. So, Rachel, how was your week? Oh, hello. <laughs> it was good. I, I had an excellent weekend. Um, things came about uh, that I didn't anticipate, and I had a great weekend with a lot of people, and it was fun. Really good. Mm-hmm. But uh, meetings. Uh, Good, bad, and, and otherwise? Part of the what I did this weekend was uh, from people that I had known in, in, in meetings. And um, actually, one night on Friday, we went and played cards with some uh, friends. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know that we knew the same people. And it turns out that these were people. You know how you go to a meeting and you don't you, you know the face, but you can't pick the name out. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah. and these were two of my favorite people that I, I, for the life of me, could never remember their name. And here I am at their home playing euchre with them. Uh-huh. And it was it was really great. It was it was really great. And, you know, more. I, I went to an open talk last night and that was fun and i just without even planning it or knowing it my my day is or my weekend has just been filled with recovery and it's been fabulous it's it's neat how that works out sometimes um all right so uh topic next week uh and uh, i'm still pulling this one together but this is what i'm planning is to talk about living with active addiction or alcoholism uh you know living with somebody who's actively drinking or using can be a challenge and i'm talking with uh, other Al-Anon members to hear how they have met the challenge, how the Al-Anon principles maybe helped them. Uh, and uh, if you want to share your experience, strength, and hope on this, uh, on this topic, I, you know, uh, send an email or call and leave a voicemail. And Rachel, uh, if you can uh, read the next section, how can people send us feedback? You know, Spencer, I'm glad you asked me that because it's right here. Um, you can leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Uh, call right now to 734-707-8795. And you can also use a voicemail button on your web uh, site to join a conversation from your computer. Uh, if you prefer not to use your own voice, you can send uh, an email to feedback at recoveryshow.com. All right. Thank you. And uh, we do uh, have a website, which has all the information about the show, and that's at therecoveryshow.com. And uh, we have uh, notes for each episode. We have a blog with uh, meditations every now and then. And uh, we have links to the music that we play in the show. Uh, also have some links to other recovery podcasts and to recovery websites that we like. Um if you uh, really want to join the conversation, you can, you know, you can join the conversation uh, on the website by commenting there. You can join the conversation by sending email or voicemail. But uh, you also, uh, I'd like to encourage you to consider being a guest host uh, by phone or Skype or one of those other electronic media uh, of communication. And if you're interested, uh, email to feedback at com. And uh, before we get to uh, our listener feedback this week, and we had several, i got another song here. Um, it's called Sorry, Blame It On Me. It's by Akon. Um, and I, you know, I, I see this song as a realization that the choices that uh, he made can affect other people uh, and that he needs to take responsibility for that. There's also um, a little bit of kind of poking at people that he feels maybe should have taken some responsibility and haven't. Um, so... You know, not perfect, but uh, 
Um, you know, recognizing that each of us has some responsibility. Uh, Wikipedia says this song was made after the nightclub incident in which Akon did a sexual dance with an underage girl. He made this song to say sorry to the girl and her parents. As life goes on, I'm starting to learn more and more about responsibility. And I realize that everything I do is affecting the people around me. So I want to take this time out to apologize for things that I've done things that haven't occurred yet, and things that they don't want to take responsibility for. I'm sorry for the times that I left you home, I was on the road and you were alone. I'm sorry for the times that I had to go, I'm sorry for the fact that I did not know, that you were sitting home just wishing we could go back to when it was just you and me. I'm sorry for the times I would neglect, I'm sorry for the times I disrespect, I'm sorry for the bunch of email and voicemail this week. And uh, if we could start, Rachel, could you read the email from Sophie? Sure. Uh, it says, hi there. My name is Sophie and I've been in Al-Anon for nine years up here in Canada. I just wanted to reach out and let you know that our show, that your show is a great booster shot for my recovery. I'm a business single mom and a doctor. I had to make some major arrangements to do it, but I am proud to say I consistently get on to one meeting a week. In between, I play your show in my car and drive around town. It's a nice reminder of the program. 
I've really been enjoying the sober hosting adventures. I admire your honesty and the way you openly explore the dilemma of solo hosting and your feelings about it. Your feelings seem raw and vulnerable sometimes and I honest and is honestly useful to me. It is cool that you use your recovery tools to reflect on solo hosting. I thought your decision to host alone when others didn't show up. Oh my God, that's when I didn't make it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, there was, was one week when I just was not on the ball to. to well, get there you go. To, the so, nice going, know. Spence. Real good. Uh, was up, uh, ironically, perhaps, it set a great example of a non codependent behavior. Oh, sweet. Well, you're welcome, Spencer, for that, and I will crap out on you anytime. <laughs> the show wouldn't have been as good if you had. Uh, hadn't spoken about that choice. My sponsor reminds me that I made the best decisions I can for myself and let go of the outcome. If I choose to do something, but others don't join me, it doesn't take me long. I'm sorry, it doesn't make my choice wrong. I thought your solo hosting had been an excellent illustration of just that. And, uh, and thanks for, you know, thanks for the uh, words of support there. And uh, we got a couple of uh, voicemails from Julie. Uh, she left, left them, uh, one, and then a couple of days later, she called back and, and left another one. Now, the first one was in response to um, one of my solo episodes that made a decision. And here's Julie. Spencer, I thought I'd leave you a message since I listened to Made a Decision, and I heard you say something like, you like to hear our voices. So I feel like I know you. Of course, you don't really know me. But I'm Julie. I'm the one that has written to you recently about my young friend, um, and when I was on the treadmill yesterday, I heard the end where you read my letter, a little bit of my letter. So that just always floors me when I'm never expecting it. But it's so fun. Anyway, so instead of typing, I'll talk. Um, and she did relapse. And last Thursday night, we went to dinner, and um, I had kind of been given a headset from her boss. And basically, she, um, I think I... I know you hear a million stories in your head that she's my friend that I took to um, treatment, and she left treatment after 30 days, finished it, but left with a boyfriend also in treatment. Um, he was ahead of her in his sobriety, strong. I felt very strong, but my friend is quite a head-turner and cunning and manipulative and um, loved by millions here in Texas, and she... I warned you that she was probably going to drink, and she did. She confessed that she got her boyfriend to drink with her um, a little over a week ago. So when she confessed, it, I was heartbroken because I could all the scenes of the last two years, the horrific scenes, just flashed through my mind's eye, and I just thought, I don't know that I can do this again. And she's not mine. I'm not related to her, but I felt like I gave birth to her. She could be mine. She lived with us for a while. Um, so when I drove home, which was about 45 minutes, she ended up, <laughs> ended up at my house. She followed um, right behind and realized it because she just wanted to apologize and drink on the way to my house. So um, I don't know where we are now, but God is good to me. Um, the day that I found out about the relapse, um, I had gone to have a facial, which I don't get those very often, but the gal who does my facial is 10 years sober, and man, she's an angel to me, and we have, she's walked me through this, and so I just felt so um, shored up 
with that. And then this weekend I was in San Antonio with my youngest for a competition and that same gal, my face lady, um, was there as well and just just really spoke truth to me and encouragement to me and wisdom to me. And I got a sponsor and I'm about to call her and that's about to start. I now have a second Al Anon meeting I'm going to and and uh, at that point, uh, Google Voice uh, cut off because it gives you three minutes. So then she called back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, this is the second part of the message. If you haven't heard the first, go listen to the first mm-hmm. first. Um, this is Julie. Anyway, um, I know my story's a little odd because it's not a relative. I'm just a friend. But um, I feel like she's mine. And... Um, I'm just so grateful for discovering. I feel like I have this secret life. This whole new world has opened up to me. Um, the alcoholic world, the recovery world, Al-Anon, I mean, the whole codependency. I, oh, yeah, I've just learned so much, and I'm 45, and I didn't really know that I'd be learning that much more in my life. But um, I want you to know, Spencer, that you do not need to feel bad at all about any episode, whether it's one, two, three, or five of you on there. It doesn't mm-hmm. even matter because every episode that you put out, the Lord uses and he is going to tailor make it for the ears that hear it. So just don't fret about it. Every one of them I love. And I really love you. I I loved the other gals, but I I loved you as much or more. So don't fret. They're great. And um, I'm just really, really, really so grateful. And I have shared your episode multiple times. And um, the majority of people in my Al-Anon group are older. And so I'm I'm trying to get them onto podcasts and, you know, things like that. But they're getting it. They're getting it. So anyway, take care. Keep up the good work. Thank you for being a light and a beacon for those of us who are slowly emerging from the pit and realizing that there there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, I appreciate you more than you know. So have a good day. Bye-bye. Uh, thanks, Julie. And, you know, um, it's good to know. It, and, and I... You know, when I first started um, sharing in in meetings, um, my sponsor said, um, "I said, I said, what you know, what am I supposed to say?" And and she said, "Just give it to your higher power. Just pray that you will say what somebody else needs to hear." Uh, and and sometimes I forget that, and I worry about, "Oh my God, did I say the right <laughs> thing?" And and I forgot to say this other thing, and that was really disorganized. And and the reminder that you know I'm not the one in charge here. Uh, is really important. So, so thanks for that word. Akila called us, uh, in, uh, she called about an old episode. Uh, we did one, uh, episode 10 was titled, What mm-hmm. is Elanon? And she had been listening to that and, uh, and called with some, uh, remarks. Here's Akila. Hey, Spencer, it's Akila. I was, um, listening to the What is Elanon episode and I have a couple of comments. The first one is about Elanon versus ACOA. Um, I joined Al-Anon after my then therapist recommended I read Adult Children of Alcoholics by Janet Wojtyk. I'm not sure on the pronunciation, but that's a definitive text about um, 
adult children. It's not conference approved literature, but it did tell me a lot about my life. Um, so at that time, there were no ACOA meetings in my area, which is fine, because most of the meetings I attend here are populated with adult children of alcoholics. Al-Anon does have conference-approved literature directly aimed at adult children. One is the pamphlet, Al-Anon is for Adult Children of Alcoholics, and the other is the Daily Reader, Hope for Today. And, of course, there's Al-Anon literature, which can even help adults figure out, like, why responses they've had in the past or when they were teenagers. I do have a friend who um, lives in an area with a lot of ACLA meetings, and she says she likes that that program focuses on other dysfunction as well as just alcoholism. And since our childhood home was filled with lots of dysfunction, not all because of alcoholism, she appreciates that aspect of the program. I also had a friend who attended CODA um, because, I mean, Codependence Anonymous, because her therapist told her to try it out because she kept getting into the abusive and unhealthy relationships, which may or may not have been related to alcoholism. Um, she thought she couldn't live without having a boyfriend. So at the time, my friend told me I should go. This was before I was in program. She thought I qualified, but I was like, yeah, I don't think so. So I read the questions recently, <laughs> and I do totally no. qualify. <laughs> but I'm not compelled to go because Al-Anon <clears throat> has told me more about my life, I think, because most of my issues come from growing up in an alcoholic home. Um one of the, there was also the question about AAs in Al-Anon. We have a lot of, they call themselves double winners here in the meetings I attend that do both programs. Many of them have alcoholic families or friends. And I remember one woman in a meeting saying she qualifies for AA because she lives with an alcoholic every day herself. And that Al-Anon has helped her understand herself better as well in that regard. The big difference, I think, between AA and Al-Anon is that in Al-Anon, we don't talk about that alcoholic and we keep the focus on ourselves. Um, I've heard from AA members who attend or have attended both programs that sometimes AA members think Al-Anon is for us to bitch about them all the time. Yeah, and at that Mm -hmm. point, it cut her off and she called back. So here we go. Part two. It's uh, tequila again. I ran up against the time limit for voicemail. I didn't realize there was one or I had so much to say. So I'll just finish off saying the difference between AA and Al-Anon is that we keep the focus on ourselves. And I've heard from AA members who attend or have attended both programs that sometimes AA members think Al-Anon is for us to bitch about them. And it was a surprise to learn we often don't talk about them at all, but about our own emotional responses and needs. Um, but as you said in the podcast, the programs have a lot of similarities. In the big book, there's a chapter called To the Wives, which essentially lays out Al-Anon, even though it wasn't started until much later. Um, and I do know people who sponsor an Al-Anon from the big book. So that's something else. The other question is why I keep coming back to meetings. I mean, the big thing for me is that I grew, I lived with alcoholism for over 30 years. I don't think I'm going to get, <laughs> get over it in three um, and I also think of going to meetings as service, not just in a 12-step way, um, but also as a service to my family so I can be the best mother and daughter I can possibly be. And, of course, it's for me. It's an awesome way for me to make amends to my family and to myself. 
right, thanks. I'll probably call back because I have comments <laughs> about something else. Bye. And uh, she didn't call back yet, but uh, I, I'm 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 sure she will. Um, you know, it's good to good to hear from people. Um, and uh, Rachel, you know, I don't. Did you come into AA first and then Elanon? Oh, it's a funny little story there, Spencer. I, I actually went into an Al-Anon meeting by mistake, thinking it was an AA meeting, and uh, one of an old timer who does uh, both groups asked me a couple of questions and told me to, you know, sit the f down and just shut up. <laughs> and so, I've been in Al-Anon six years now, and um, so yeah, best move I ever made, All best right. mistake I ever made, actually. Best mistake, and sometimes that is what it takes, isn't yeah, it? Sure is. Um, uh, Julie also called us uh, about the uh, the episode on forgiveness. Spencer, it's Julie from Texas. I think I left you a message yesterday or the day before, but I listened to forgiveness today, and oh, man, not only did I need it for the alcoholic in my life, but I needed it for my teenage daughter. <laughs> um it really, really, really turned my day around because I had had such a bad night. And um, gosh, I ended up texting my husband and apologizing for my bad attitude. And um, it's been so much better today with my girl. Um, so well done and well done um, to your partner. I think Erica is her name. She did great. So please have her back. Um, it was awesome. So I just wanted to let you know. Thank you so very much. Hope you're having a good night. Bye-bye. Thanks, Julie. Um, Erica has been on the show before and, and definitely will be again. Uh, she's uh, she's kind of a busy person. She started a new job recently, and that has affected uh, you know her availability. Don't worry. Uh, I, I like the people that, that I co-host with, and I'm always going to ask them back until they say no. So <laughs> Or don't show up. Or, uh, you know, that happens. Uh, I understand. Uh, so uh, if, uh, if you're not already listening to the Recovered podcast um, at recoveredcast.com, you should check it out. Mark and his guests discuss 12-step topics uh, from mostly from the AA perspective, um, although uh, he does bring in uh, the Al-Anon point of view pretty frequently, and one of his regular guests is also uh, NA. Uh, that's a primary program, and and so uh, you know it's a pretty it's a pretty broad cross section of uh, of twelve step uh, experience and recovery in in his podcast. He is uh, planning uh, for the second year a twelve hour uh, marathon podcast uh, on June seventh from eight a.m. to eight p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, he did this last year, and he's doing it again in memory of his late son Andrew, who died as a result of his addiction. He also uses it as a fundraiser for a local treatment center, uh, which is a place where his son volunteered in his early sobriety. And in this podcast marathon, he will be live online with different guests each hour, and he will also publish each of the hours as a separate episode of the of, of the Recovered Cast podcast over the next few months after that. Uh, I participated last year. I think I'm signed up again for this year. I don't know which hour yet. Uh, and... Uh, it was, it's, it's a really amazing experience. It was really amazing to listen to, uh, uh, afterwards. I, I was not able to, uh, be live the whole time, but, uh, you can, you know, check in and out over the, over the 12 hour period, obviously. And, uh, you can listen to us live as, as we're recording. And we had a couple of guests today and I, um, I'm sorry that I didn't 
notice in time to acknowledge them um, earlier. Uh, we had uh, Ruth and Jen, and Ruth actually um, made some contributions here about Tradition 4. Um, she, uh, you know, how do I deal with, with people? Um, it somehow says, uh, decide for yourself, and you're as good as long as your decision is not harm someone else. And uh, uh, that they had talked about uh, traditions in their meetings. Sometimes we forget after a while that our principles uh, may not be known to everybody, and we have to have some compassion, but we also have to say something. Uh, about uh, it when somebody uh, steps outside the tradition. So thanks, Ruth, for those comments. Uh, the next uh, couple of weeks, uh, next week uh, I'm planning to basically record ahead of time uh, separate uh, interviews with people and put it together so there won't be uh, um, a live broadcast. And the week after that I may be out of town for the weekend, so I'm not sure when I'll be recording. Yeah, uh, life happens, you know. Uh, yeah. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show. Uh, we do have expenses. They run about $60 a month. So you can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. Uh, first, I want to thank Ruth again for using the donation button on our website. Uh, you can support us directly there. Thank you, Ruth. You can also buy books or other products from Amazon. Uh, we have a, a list of recovery-related books on our website. You can click through to Amazon and when you buy one of the books or when you buy anything else for Amazon after you click, uh, we get a, a, a bit of a commission and that uh, helps to uh, defray our expenses, some of which we do pay to Amazon for some hosting that they do for us. So I want to, uh, but you know, if, uh, if you can't do that, that is just fine. Uh, we do thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening or maybe telling your friends that's support too. Uh, we are here for you. I'm going to close the show with the song I Decide by Lindsay Lohan. Um, and, you know, the song seems seems really appropriate for, for the topic, but it's a little bit ironic that it's Lindsay Lohan who's singing it. Um, <laughs> because um, she's somebody that, um, if, if you're at all connected to American popular culture, you realize that, that over the years she has not um, always made really good decisions for herself. Stellar. Uh, uh, <laughs> Okay. Uh, and actually, if you go listen to Recovered, uh, uh, she ends up being sort of a frequent topic of discussion. They have a segment they call uh, Alcoholism in the Media or Alcohol in the Media, and she shows up there fairly frequently. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, Mark on Recovered Cast, I mean, he expresses a lot of compassion for her. It seems pretty clear that, as he puts it, she's one of us. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we hope that she will find her way to, uh, to true sobriety someday. I just want to read some of the, the lyrics. This is the songs from the, the movie The Princess Diaries. Uh, don't think that you can tell me what to think. I'm the one who knows what's good for me. And I'm stating my independence. I'm going to take the road I'm going to take. And I'm going to make my own mistakes. It's my life. I decide. Don't think that you can tell me what to think. I'm the one who knows what's good for me. I'm stating my independence Gonna take the road I'm gonna take And I'm gonna make my own mistakes It's my life I decide, I decide how I live I decide who I love Choice is mine
can't do it now I'm kicking down all the fences I'm gonna do it all and do too much And if I mess the whole thing up It's my right I decide Thank you for listening and please keep coming back Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too if we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. My understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time. I'm the world.